Amon Reina here from Sage Investors, and I am here to do a quick mind map analysis of emerging market ETFs. Uh, for those out there, uh, there's also uh, this this video can also you can also listen to it in podcast format uh, through my website sageinvestors.ca as well as through uh, Apple Podcasts. Just do a search for Sage Investors. Now, one of the things I've been trying, I've been considering uh, incorporating into my portfolios, my personal portfolios, is getting some more exposure to the emerging market space. Uh, these are a long-term. I think uh, the nature of the countries, of the companies, the countries, and the companies that are in that space, specifically from Brazil, China, uh, Russia, India, South Africa. These are growing economies and rapidly growing economies that are having much more of an influence in terms of how the world economies are, are, are functioning. And I think it's important to have a little bit of exposure into that space. Uh, up until now, I haven't had that much exposure to it, but recent events have kind of wanted me to, have made me kind of pique my curiosity and uh, have made me consider, you know, maybe a good time to start looking at the, at the space. You know, specifically, we have a situation right now, we have a lot of trade tensions, a lot of tariff trash talking going on. Um, and also we have a world where interest rates are rising. So a lot of uh, liquidity is coming out of emerging markets into other parts of the world. So it's been putting a lot of pressure on emerging market uh, stocks and financial assets. And so as an investor, we want to you know, we want to invest in things that are uh, that are cheap, and we want them to grow and retain some value on it. So right now, emerging market stocks have come under a fair bit of pressure, and so I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe I may want to get some start building a position in in that area and getting some more exposure to it. Now, right now, in terms of you know, analyzing individual emerging market kind of stocks. I just really don't have time for that right now. So I figure the best way to get that exposure is by buying a basket of companies. And I can do that through in a low cost way using um, exchange traded funds or ETF. So what I'm gonna do here is I've kind of identified uh, four of the more popular um, emerging market ETFs out there. And I'm just gonna do a quick uh, analysis, a comparative analysis uh, of each of these ETFs and compare them uh, amongst a set of criteria. And for those of you who have taken my everyday investing course, you will know what these criteria are quite well. And uh, so let's just jump in and let's just take a look at these ETFs and see you know, which ones are ones that maybe I may wanna consider um, for my portfolio if I were to just decide I wanted to you know, build some ex get some exposure to this space. So I got four ETFs here, and essentially there's, they're represented by two companies, uh, Vanguard and BlackRock, which sells the iShares products. So I'm gonna take a look at two different Vanguard ETF products, and I'm gonna look at two different um, iShares ETF products. Let's just take a look at the Vanguard stuff first. So the first one uh, I wanna take a look at are the Vanguard Emerging Market ETF, <clears throat> which is uh, ticker symbol VEE, and it's sold in Primarily in Canada, it's a Canadian uh, domiciled uh, ETF. And then there's the VWO, which is the US-based uh, ETF. Um, again, event, uh, emerging market ETF. So let's look at the Canadian one first, uh, and then we'll take a look at it and compare it to the, to the American one. Now, the, the key thing you gotta understand about the Canadian version is it's essentially the same ETF. It's, it's constructed in much the same way as the American version. So it's ki it kind of, um, piggybacks the uh, the US version. Now, in terms of the uh, 
how it's constructed. So one of the first questions we always ask when we're evaluating ETFs is, is the investment strategy being incorporated an actively managed port? Is it actively managed or is it passively managed? Is it a portfolio of stocks or a basket of stocks that are, you know, somebody's picking specific stocks or is it a stock or is it a portfolio that's trying to copy or mirror a broad-based uh, market index? So with the, uh, with the VEE, it's essentially a passively, it's passively managed and it's both, uh, and I'll just say, I'll just might as well do the US one too. It's also a passively managed, which makes sense. It's, you know, the Canadian one is piggybacking the American one. <clears throat> both portfolios, both ETFs are, uh, uh, are tracking the uh, FTSE Emerging Market Index. So it's, it's passively managed, tracking a broad uh, stock market index. Fees. Fees are another consideration we have to factor in when we're evaluating ETFs. So the Canadian version, their management expense ratio, or MER, or just their costs of owning this ETF, <clears throat> come in at 0.24%, which is pretty decent. Uh, the American version, uh, however, though, is actually cheaper. It comes in at 0. Uh, one four percent. So these are pretty cheap on a cost basis. These seem to be uh, they're really cheap. Uh, another criteria we need to evaluate the ETFs by is liquidity. How much trading volume do these uh, do these products generate on the market? Ultimately, we want to find ETFs, invest in ETFs that trade uh, a lot, uh, have a lot of liquidity in the marketplace because. If a, if a stock or an ETF trades a lot, has a lot of trading volume, that means you're going to get better price discovery. The prices are not going to be very volatile. And uh, when you buy or sell ETFs, you're going to get a pretty good uh, fair price for them. So the Canadian version trades on, it trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange. It has, on average, trades about 51,000 shares a day. The U.S. version, uh, on the other hand, trades much, much higher. It trades 14 million shares a day. So it is an extremely liquid portfolio, uh, extremely liquid uh, uh, stock uh, from that side. So you're going to get really good price discovery. You're going to get a fair price for it if you decide to buy or sell the, uh, buy or sell the ETF. The other thing we also want to look at, <clears throat> excuse me, is the uh, the portfolio makeup of it. What, how is the portfolio constructed? Is it concentrated into a handful of stocks or sectors, or is it very broadly diversified? Ultimately, we want to buy a very broadly diversified portfolio. Um, again, to protect ourselves from from whatever market volatility or you know, when the, if the markets were to tank. And there'd be all kinds of wackiness going on the market that the stop that the ETF would be able to to manage that volatility effectively. So, when we looked at the uh, now, I said with the Canadian version, essentially it is copying the uh, the Canadian version is essentially um, mirroring or copying the the American version. So when we look at the American version, so let's, it's better to just take a look at the American version and to get a sense of what the stock is. So couple of characteristics of their portfolio. It's interesting that there is uh, no Korean 
Korea is not represented in this ETF. Uh, it, it invests in individual stocks, so it's actually buying uh, stocks. It's not buying like using derivative products to get kind of you know simulate a kind of exposure to the sector. Uh, it has in the portfolio almost four thousand stocks in the portfolio, and if you were to look at the top ten holdings. They represent about twenty percent of the total in, of the total fund. So it's you know when you've got four thousand stocks and ten of the, the top ten of them are represent twenty percent, which means the other three thousand nine hundred and ninety represent eighty percent. It seems to be a very um, very diversified. It's not there's not a lot of concentration uh, in the portfolio, and as investors, that's what we want to see. Um, with the portfolio. So the Canadian version, again, essentially is copying this. And so um, the, what they do is they essentially invest, um, they just basically buy the VD, VOW, and which essentially owns, you know, essentially has that makeup. So, uh, and, and the ratio of that, again, and a lot of the ratios and the, the amount of companies that, the, that, that, that are owned within here are very much the same as here. So, uh, the, the, only, the big difference really is when you buy the Canadian version is that you're paying in Canadian dollars. And obviously the US version, you're paying in US dollars. And I'll talk about the currency aspect of that once we kind of go through all of this. Um, now, the final criteria that I want to look at when we look at ETFs is tracking area how how does the performance of the of the etf uh compare to the broad market that it's trying to replicate is it tracking very closely to the return of the broad market or is it lagging behind it and so for example if the FTSE index were to be up 20 percent <throat> we would want the etf to generate as close a return as possible to that 20 percent you know adjusting for costs and miscellaneous things um, Otherwise, you know, if the company had, if the ETF had a very low tracking error, um, or very high tracking error, sorry, sorry, then you're essentially leaving money on the table, and it's kind of like waste that's that's just there and is not really ultimately great as investors. We want to get as much return as possible. So when I looked at the tracking error for the two Vanguard funds, um, the Canadian version had a tracking error of 0.26%, which is pretty good. So, you know, you're getting very close to the return of the broad emerging market index with the Canadian version. So I thought that was pretty good. But then I looked at the U.S. version, and their tracking error is 0.13%, which is even better. It's half the, half the rate of the Canadian version. So you're getting really, really excellent um, performance uh, from, from, the, from the American version compared to the Canadian version. Now, as I said, the Canadian version, there's about $823 million, <clears throat> million dollars, uh, in assets there. The U.S. version has $84.5 billion of assets. So the U.S. version is a much bigger fund. It trades. There's a lot of liquidity behind it. It's an extremely popular ETF. The Canadian version for a Canadian ETF is also pretty solid and pretty popular uh, from that. Now, the key differentiation, though, is when you buy the Canadian version, you are paying Canadian dollars. And obviously, the U.S. version, you're paying U.S. dollars. 
So that's a current, there's currency risk. So if you know, you're up here in Canada, um, <clears throat> it may be a better deal to buy the Canadian version. And there's actually some other benefits of buying the Canadian version. Uh, but if you're in the U.S., for my U.S. listeners and uh, viewers out there, <clears throat> you know, you're, you're obviously not going to buy the Canadian version. You're going to buy the U.S. version. It's a better deal for you from that sense. You don't have to worry about the currency issues or anything like that around it. So those are the van that's the Vanguard um, ETF, Emerging Market ETF product, the Canadian version and the U.S. version. Now, I want to take a look at another popular Emerging Market ETF, which is sold by the BlackRock company under the iShares um, line, and that's the iShares Emerging Market ETF, ticker symbol EEM. Again, it's a it's a passively managed portfolio. Um, it doesn't follow, it follows a broad-based index, but it's a different one. It actually follows the Morgan Stanley, uh, the MSCI Emerging Market Index, which is another broad-based um, common market index. Um, in terms of fees, the fees for the for the EEM yeah, come in at 0.69%. So it's much higher than the Vanguard products. Um, in, in terms of liquidity, uh, I talked about uh, liquidity. Uh, you know, the, the Vanguard trades, you know, 14 million shares a day. Uh, the v liquidity of the... In terms of trading volume, the the EEM trades approximately, on an average, trades about 74 million shares a day. So it there. So if you thought the Vanguard was a, was a busy product, uh, trades a lot. The the uh, the iShares e, uh, ETF uh, trades even more. Um, trades even more <clears throat> from that perspective. <clears throat> the fund itself. Uh, comes in. It's about a thirty billion dollar fund. So again, you know, it's it's a huge fund, and you got to obviously pay in U.S. dollars. It's a U.S. dollar based uh, account. <clears throat> what else? Uh, in the nature, in terms of looking at the portfolio, now the what's different between the iShares and the Vanguard is the iShares has Korea exposure to Korean stocks in here. Um, so that's a big difference. The vanguards don't have exposure to, to the Korean market. So if you're a type of person you want to have, you know, Korea is one of the you know big economies in the, in, in the world. So if you want to have that exposure in there, then the iShares product will will give you that exposure. The vanguards won't. So if that's something of a, a sticking point with you, then you, there, you know there's a differentiation there. Um, just like uh, the vanguard, it invests in individual stocks, but not as many. It has 800 stocks in its portfolio. And the top 20, uh, the top 20 represent uh, about 25% of the total portfolio. So it's a little bit more uh, concentrated compared to the, uh, to the Vanguard one. And in terms of tracking error, the tracking error for the EEM, for the iShares, uh, <clears throat> product comes in at 0.48%. So it's a much, much higher than the Vanguard and the, both the Vanguard products from that side of it, but still pretty low. It's not, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not a, it's not a showstopper. 
uh, in that sense, it's still extremely low for for an emerging market ETF um, for a foreign based, international based uh, ETF. So that's kind of good. Uh, it's a good thing to see. So that's the uh, the iShares uh, EEM emerging market. And so finally, the last one we're going to take a look at is the another iShares product. It's a, from BlackRock. It's called ticker symbol BKF. Now this one's a little bit different. It's a little bit more concentrated than the other ETFs uh, in the sense that those ETFs, the Vanguard and the EEM, are more have a much more exposure to a wide variety of emerging markets. The this particular one focuses investments on four companies or five companies. The BRIC companies, the BRICS. Uh, and that's the name of the product. It's called the BRICS ETF. <clears throat> Specifically, it invests in shares in Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. So the largest emerging market. So if you want to have <clears throat> a much more concentrated exposure to emerging markets, then maybe this is the type of product that you maybe you want to consider uh, from that side of it. Um, now, how is it managed? It's essentially adopts, it's a very passive managed, it's passively managed too, in the sense that it is, uh, its goal is to track or mirror the, uh, the Morgan Stanley uh, brick index, which is essentially taking a whole basket of these, these various countries' uh, stocks and tracking an index. So it's trying to map that um, portfolio, <coughs> that exposure. In terms of expenses, the costs on this are, are a bit high. It's 0.7%. So it's almost comparable to um, the uh, EEM product and much more expensive compared to the Vanguard products. Uh, in terms of liquidity, it trades a lot less. It trades about 14,000 shares a day. So much lower than, uh, <clears throat> much lower than the other uh, ETFs that we're looking at here. Um, if you look at the nature of the portfolio, again, so it invests in individual stocks. And the top 10 holdings in the portfolio uh, represent 34% of the total portfolio. So it is a much more concentrated um, portfolio compared to the other ETFs. And finally, when we looked at the tracking error for this, for the, uh, for the, for the BKF, it came in at 0.66%. So it's got a much higher tracking error uh, rate compared to the other uh, ETFs. And then finally, I'm gonna stick this somewhere. It's a very smaller, it's a much smaller portfolio in the sense that there's about $190 million in the portfolio. So again, when you're comparing it to the Vanguard and the e, and the and the EEM, which have like, you know, those are in the billions of dollars, uh, there's those portfolios. Um, the BlackRock is, is really, really small. It's a much smaller portfolio, but it might be something that might be interesting to, um, if you really want to concentrate your exposure in the emerging markets in terms of just exposing yourself to the big uh, economies, the larger economies, the, the BRICS gets you that, but you pay uh, a higher price point for it. And uh, it's, a much, it's a much lower liquidity product. So here they are, here you go. So these are the four ETFs that I looked at. We've compared them across a variety of criteria. 
So if I were to make a decision, okay, which ones would I want to buy? Like which one sort of jumps out at me is something I want to incorporate uh, in my portfolio. So one of my goals is I want to have as broadly diversified and as broadly exposed uh, portfolio of emerging market stocks. And so for me, the the BRICS, I don't think would really meet my criteria. Uh, personally, you know, if you want to have more concentrated exposure, then maybe that's something you may want to consider. But for me, I probably would not want to have this one in my portfolio. So I'm going to cross this one out right away. Um, so it really comes down to the Vanguard and the EEM. So as somebody who lives in Canada, though, uh, I just want to kind of put this out there for my Canadian uh, friends out there is... <clears throat> Uh, the big difference, obviously, is currency exposure. If you buy the U.S. one, you're kind of, you're getting more uh, currency risk because you have to pay in U.S. dollars. Uh, <clears throat> so if the U.S. dollar uh, appreciates, then you know that's great. But if the U.S. dollar depreciates, then the value of your your exposure is going to be lower. So you have that currency risk you kind of have to play around with. So it may not be if you're if you're in the if you're Canadian. Um, you might actually be better off uh, investing in the uh, Canadian um, in the Canadian fund because that currency risk is 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 minimized, and also there's also some benefits too in terms of uh, any income that's generated from the fund. Um, you don't have to pay any withholding taxes or uh, fees from that, uh, and the currency side of it too. So the Canadian version, um, if you're Canadian, I think the 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 VEE would actually suit your uh, purposes, but anyway, I want to go backtrack because I just want to compare these two these funds uh, in terms of the criteria. So they're all passively managed, which is good. Uh, if I were to look at them from a perspective of cost, the the Vanguard ones are definitely much cheaper than the uh, the iShares product. Um, <clears throat> they also have a fair bit. Uh, in terms of liquidity, I would say the U.S. products uh, have a much higher liquidity base, they, so you're going to get much more accurate price discovery from it. Um, the differentiation also is the Korea aspect of it, too, is the Vanguard does not have exposure to Korea, while the, the, the iShares product has exposure to Korea. So it really comes down to, <clears throat> do you want to have that exposure or not? And if you want to have that exposure to the Korean market, uh, then you probably would want to go with the iShares from that perspective. They're broadly diversified in terms of the concentration. So, uh, you know, 20 to 25 percent is pretty decent. Um, broad based. Uh, they're not very concentrated. And from a tracking error perspective, the, uh, the Vanguard um, ones tend to have a much better, lower, more accurate tracking record. So when you look at it, I think for me, uh, I think the Vanguard products seem to be ones that jump out at me as, as something I would probably want to have if I were to get into the, uh, have some exposure to emerging market stocks, I think the Vanguard product probably provide a pretty good exposure. Now, whether I would want to get the Canadian version or the US version, uh, it really depends. And uh, the real differentiation, though, is with the Canadian version, you don't have to pay, uh, uh, there's no withholding tax. Uh, 
tax. And on the U.S. version, you would have to pay a withholding tax. And so this is really more for the for my Canadian friends out there. In the U.S., my U.S. friends out there, um, this doesn't. This is not really much of a sticking point for you. For you guys, you know, if I were to make a decision. I would probably lean toward the Vanguard U.S. It seems to be it's much it's a passively managed fund, much lower costs, higher liquidity, um, and a much lower tracking error. Um, that to me, it's, you know, these are seem to be qualities that I think would jump out at me in terms of an ETF uh, that I would be looking for in terms of the emerging markets. For my Canadian friends out there, the Canadian product I think would give you a better uh, bang for your buck uh, in the sense that. The costs are lower, you're paying in Canadian dollars, and any income you generate from it is not, there's not going to be some sort of double taxation in terms of withholding taxes on it. So the VE actually might give you a, a, better, a better bang for the buck. Now, if you were interested in having exposure, the only, diff, the only flaw, I guess, is you don't have exposure to the Korean market. In that case, if you're really hell-bent on getting exposure to the Korean market, then the EEM is probably the best way to do it. So it really comes down to your own personal situation, your own personal preference, your expectations uh, for in terms of what you're looking at in terms of exposure. But hopefully this analysis can give you a, a bit of a framework in terms of how you can go about comparing different ETFs and trying to figure out which one is going to be best suited for your own personal uh, <clears throat> personal portfolio and in terms of helping you meet your um, long-term objectives for your for your portfolio. As I said, for those of you this uh, who like to listen to things, this version, uh, this video is also available in podcast format. You can find it uh, through Apple Podcasts, do a search for Sage Investors, or you can find it through my website, sageinvestors.ca. So this has been a comparative analysis, a quick comparative analysis of emerging market ETFs. Uh, thanks for listening in, thanks for watching in. My name is Amon Reina of Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again another time. Take care, bye-bye.